All right. So this week on episode four of e-commerce straight talk, we're talking about how um, Apple's been hit with some German antitrust complaints, um, how brands should be getting smart about buying online, pick up in store. Um, as legacy brands start rising from the ashes, are we about to see an increase in older brands starting to come back to the fold? Uh, Lid says hats are the next sneakers. Yeah, we'll see about that. And can Shopify reverse the executive exodus that is occurring? All right, stay tuned. First on our list, um, the news with Apple. According to uh, CNBC, Apple was hit with German antitrust complaints um, as it prepared to roll out the new iPhone software. So with the new iOS 14 update, it seems like a lot of companies have sharpened their claws to combat Apple. Do you think this is just the beginning of antitrust avalanche um, Apple will run into? I do. In fact, I'm pretty sure that this, com- you know, because obviously this is just a complaint, quote unquote. So it's like, it's like shots over the bow, right? Like a warning shot. Um, the idea is, is that they're saying basically Apple has, has gained this monopoly on, on data with this iOS 14 update. Now, obviously Apple's going to combat this. Right, they have a lot of lawyers too, but I can almost guarantee that between Facebook and Google, they're funding a lot of a lot of what you're going to see as antitrust complaints. Because what um, what Facebook and Google have done since uh, since Apple has basically said we're launching the iOS last year, the iOS 14, is they've gone out and they started funding these lawsuits against Apple. Uh, prime example is Epic Games. I don't know if you're familiar with Fortnite. Right, my yeah. daughter plays it like crazy. Um, and then basically they got pulled from the Apple store because they wanted to renegotiate because they didn't want to pay Apple 30% from, from when anyone downloads on the iPhone or iPad and they're playing the game and they pay for something. Apple gets 30% of that. So they didn't want to pay that 30% and basically they went back and forth and finally Apple just booted them. It was like for a week, right? Until they came back and said, okay, yeah, we'll deal with that. But they, they filed a lawsuit and obviously they couldn't take them on. But them being funded by Facebook and Google, that definitely helps take them on. So what we've seen across the board is is them helping fund these lawsuits and anything that they can get their hands on. So I guarantee this is part of that too. So I would not be surprised whatsoever to see Apple really starting getting hit with a lot of different antitrust suits. However, all that said, this does leave everybody else open um, because a lot of folks seem, you know, feel that digital is monopolized already, whether it's Google with search or, um, or Facebook with social, like all these things. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think once you sort of open this Pandora's box, it's not going to get closed. No, not at all. Uh, I'm sure Apple has, I mean, prepared for this and has seen it coming. So maybe not, you know, totally out of left field for them, but yeah, I wonder how they're going to manage this and if they're going to come out on top or if they're going to regress and maybe you take away this opt-in track-in or renegotiate deals with maybe specific companies and, and still give the short end of the stick to others. I'd, you know? I'd say the the easiest route for them, because obviously it's just going to cost them a lot of money in lawyers, mm-hmm. um, is offer deals to these countries that want to go after them as far because these countries buy data too. Right. NSA, FBI, CIA, all those all those departments, they buy data. Um, and it used to be they just go to Google and Facebook for it. Now they can just go straight to Apple. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of 
what happens here. <laughs> very well, very well. All right, so moving on um, <laughs> to this new acronym, BOPIS, B-O-P-I-S. <laughs> um, right? By, I, it took me a while to decipher. I was like, what is that? No, but yeah, buy online, pick up in store. So according to the Retail Brew, they say that click and collect sales, including curbside pickup, made up around 9% of total U.S. e-com sales last year. An Ipsos survey, uh, survey found 78% of shoppers had used curbside pickup, or BOPIS, since the pandemic started. 69% planned to use it at the same level or higher post-pandemic. So spinning off kind of what we discussed last week, are we going to be seeing a major shift in how brands think of Omnichannel? Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously we're biased because we talked about this last week and we were discussing, you know, this, this resale, uh, excuse me, retail uh, uh, apocalypse that's sort of occurring. Well, you have all this real estate that's available, especially for, um, you know, if, if brands get pretty, you know, ingenuitive and in, in how they, they sort of distribute their warehousing and, and, and how they have products. Um, you know, like we're saying, customer service, the, the speed is the best customer service. So if there are places where they can move product to certain warehouses to store this that are closer, like malls to use up that space, um, and then even do something like buy online, pick up in store, right? I, I'm not going to be surprised if this is what malls turn into as a giant marketplace where you show up and it's like five, you just bought stuff from like five different stores and they bring it out to your car and shove it in your car, right? You can do that at Walmart now, Safeway, Fred Meyer, Kroger, wherever you're at in the country, like you can do that. So I would not be surprised if everyone sort of takes on this role. Now with that too, you'll have sort of in, in the same boat, you'll have this uh, uh, sort of like Uber Eats and this Uber, uh, um, I don't even know what the term's called, like this industry of of freelancers basically driving around and picking up goods and then and then bringing them to people. This this will also become part of that too. I feel so so um, people bring it directly to your door. But yeah, this with, with the buy online pickup in store, it's this we're getting out, we're going somewhere, but we don't want the inconvenience of actually having to go in the store, right? Um, at least that's my take on it, my personal take because that, I like that too. I, I don't want them to necessarily bring it to my house because then I'm stuck in my house still, but I do want to get out. I just don't want to have to spend an hour walking through the grocery store, getting the same groceries I always get every single week and having to deal with that foot traffic um, and, and and all those olds just taking up all that space, right? So um, if I, I think we're going to see, it'll probably be some brand out there will do something super creative and sort of lead the way, right? And then everyone else will pick up after that. Maybe it might even be Amazon. I don't know. Um, but but yeah, I think even for individual brands, as long as you have um, you know you know geographic centers that are that are that you have large customer bases in, this is like perfect for that. Um, obviously, if you don't, you could work on that. Um, but but if you do, this is definitely um, opening up that omni-channel level for they're buying through e-commerce and then rolling to the store to pick it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, you know, you mentioned Amazon and that's kind of the company that was coming to my head because even pre 2020, pre pandemic, they had already established pickup lockers like in Whole Foods, um, I think in some yeah. like Ross or Marshall stores, but Whole Foods specifically because obviously they bought each other out or Amazon bought Whole Foods. But 
So that's, you know, I think about why did Amazon decide to even incorporate those lockers to begin with? And I guess they were seeing like into the future that, yeah, people, even though people want to purchase online and have the simplicity and the ease of, of clicking online, they still want that interaction or that just let's get out of the house or I'm already running errands and might as well get this. So it's, it's interesting how they kind of saw that consumer behavior. Early yeah, on. no, for sure. And I think we'll end up seeing what Amazon has done specifically with those like lockers and stuff translate into to just like what we consider that those lockers to be is just more real estate for warehousing, right? Um, it, that tends to be more specific for because I know Amazon's been really trying to push this um, this delivery car driver thing, right? And that's initially what they wanted to do is they wanted to go that Uber Lyft route. Um, and then they went and they sort of, it's not really franchised, but, you know, individuals could come in and they could basically buy a delivery area um, and then they deliver for only Amazon, right? Um, so that's sort of what that turned into. But I know some cities may still have it. Um, I'm not too sure if Amazon's looking to scale um, where they have delivery drivers just go to these lockers, pick stuff up and take them. To, to people's homes. Um, I'm curious about what happened with that now, but that could also be something that we could see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. And I'm, I'm with you too, I'm all for that. I love to buy online, pick up in store. So no, I'm definitely part of that presented. Convenience is key. Yes, yes, definitely. All right, so moving on to our third topic of this past week. Uh, Lord & Taylor was just acquired by the Stadia Group, pulling them from a bankruptcy auction for $12 million, according to Bloomberg. Uh, Lord & Taylor isn't the first legacy retailer to restart from bankruptcy as an online-only venture. So should we expect to see more of these older brands with higher customer loyalty begin to reemerge from insolvency? Yeah, they should have done it a long time ago. Um, so I would expect more to come out. I think it's going to be surprising when we see it happen. Um, in essence, what like the CD Group has done, because they bought more than just Lord & Taylor. They bought a couple other brands that were just, like obscure brands that no one's ever heard of that had large customer bases. Mm -hmm. But they bought Lord & Taylor for the name. Right. So they bought five total um, solely for e-commerce so they can use the Lord & Taylor name with five other brands of products that they know they can sell online, which I think was genius. Cause now you're not starting from the bottom. You're starting right from the middle. Now, obviously it's gonna take a lot of capital to continue to push that name and sort of continue that story and like what's happened and why they're back now. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's huge. Um, obviously Toys R Us should have gone that route a long time ago. There's a lot of these brands, even from like the nineties, there's, there's, there's so much nostalgia behind this that, that, um, that comes from these brands and the, and the customer base that I think is huge, right? And I think they see that too. Um, so they understand where it's at and where it's going. And I do believe like once, I think what happens is because most people are slow adopters to anything. So yeah. once they sort of prove this, that this works, um, I would not be surprised to see a lot of other, you know, more of these legacy brands just start to pop up out of nowhere and be like, hey, I, f I remember you. Where, where'd you go to, right? Thought you, I thought you disappeared and they just act like they're, they've never gone anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Would you throw Blockbuster into that? Because like, what if they came out with like a Netflix type of platform? That'd be Okay. So that's a much longer story because they did. Oh. Um, there's a great podcast 
for it, uh, Business Wars. Okay. Um, yeah, you should check it out. And, and anyone should listen to it, really, because it's great. There's it's like three or four hour long episodes on this topic, Blockbuster versus Netflix. And basically, Blockbuster could have and should have won, but um, their executive team was just garbage. Mm-hmm. So that's why they yeah. lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, as, as far as Blockbuster, no, I think Blockbuster is done, done, unfortunately. Um, I think that they would honestly be successful, obviously, you know, after the pandemic's fully, fully over with, if they came up with shops, just like one in every city, right? You could, and you could charge a lot. I feel like just, and make it more like, like Cabela's or um, Bass Pro Shop. So it's more of a, a entertainment thing to go there, right? Mm, yeah. But just the nostalgia that lives with it. Yeah, I think they could, but they're not going to be who they used to be. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Okay, we'll see what other brands take on this this role. But speaking of nostalgia, actually, that segues us into our next point perfectly. So with the ever-increasing prices of nostalgia that we've seen, like Hello Pokemon cards, baseball cards, and you know, whether these are being sold through eBay or any other marketplace, um, Lids, as you mentioned, the largest hat retailer, thinks that hats are gonna become the new sneakers in terms of fostering an obsessive audience. So do you think Liz, Liz is onto something here or they're just pushing the hype? I'm pushing hat, hat hype. Yeah. Um, oh man, that's sort of like, I don't think hats will ever become the equivalent to like what sneaker heads feel sneakers are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what do you call them, hat heads, uh, lid, lid heads. I don't, I don't even know, but I mean, I get what they're coming from and they're trying to push this narrative, like maybe. And maybe that lasts just like right now. Um, you do have a lot of hat wearers, but I don't think it'll ever become what sneakers is. So I think I think they're just trying to push <clears throat> a certain narrative to come across as it be like, hey, you should come check us out and you know get get more traffic and awareness that way. Um, that's usually the case when you say something completely crazy. It's like it's just a PR move. Um, so in this case, obviously, like I said, I don't know the hat market like Liz knows the hat market, but just from my observance of people who wear hats and versus people who are, you know, sneakerheads, I do not see that happening, right? People will pay crazy amounts for sneakers. Even if you had a hat that Michael Jordan wore, like I don't, you know, even even in a, in a playoff game, it's not going to be worth nearly as much as what the, the shoes would be worth, so... I don't see this happening. No, not at all. As all. Yeah, I would say maybe the target audience for like sneakerheads and hat people are the same, but you're right. It's it's a completely different article of clothing. It's a different product piece and it just doesn't carry the same value. So I don't know. Absolutely. I, I just, yeah, I remember, you know, people used to actually leave the stickers on the hats. Mm-hmm wear them like that as if like it was some kind of collector's item so yeah like you said we don't know the hat market but i do wonder if there are some really intense collectors that you know just want every version of some kind of team's hat or something maybe they're out there i've never seen it i've never seen anyone brag about it like they do shoes right Mm -hmm. um obviously there's people who wear hats a lot but i don't think any of that would be like i'm collecting hats you know there's it, there probably is but it's just probably very it's a very small group of people yeah well 
All right, so rounding out uh, the top news of the last week, Shopify's um, their Q1 revenue exploded by 101% year over year, uh, but their C-suite kind of imploded. So with Shopify trying to reverse the executive exodus, will we be seeing a slowdown in their innovation? Yeah, I think I think that's key. Um, it just depends on who's leading vision, especially since how their chief product officers like deuces, right? Um, I think what we'll probably see is a slowdown initially um, until or if they can get somebody in there who's got some even better clarity and vision for what, where they want to be going. I think we've sort of already seen that over the past year. Usually when, when companies get to this size, it's like things tend to slow down a little bit as far as innovation. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what hap- is, is sort of happening. I think what's sort of crazy is we, we're seeing this um, sort of round robin of executives leaving all these companies and sort of s- swapping around, switching around. And I know that even these bigger companies like Google and, and Facebook are trying to maintain what they have. So they're paying incredible bonuses for people to stay. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. I think, I think we're sort of got to that point where, you know, a lot of these folks worked with these, these companies from the ground up and now they're super big and they're like, eh, you know, it's not what it used to be. Um, I want to try something new. I just, I just want something fresh, right? We're seeing this Amazon Shopify, obviously. Um, we do see this with, with digital across the board, even, you know, you know, Uber, Lyft, Facebook, Google, all these, all these massive tech companies, um, Mm -hmm. Tend, tend to do like this sort of like round robin of executives. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but yeah, I definitely see innovation slowing down. Um, I've kind of thought Shopify innovation has been slowing down over the past you know year, year and a half anyway. So, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially with revenue just being so crazy high. I imagine the primary reason is it's just been incredibly chaotic there. And they're like, well, Let's try something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know certainly demand must have soared over this past year, which I'm sure it credits to the revenue. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see what happens as well. It seems like they've hit a plateau, uh, but I don't see them going downward. Hopefully not. Let's hope. No, they'll just be moving into, um, you know, what more can they do for the enterprise level clients? That'll be big for them. Um, I think that's primarily where they've been focused, especially with Shopify Plus. Um, and then also trying to help those wholesalers go D to C because that's been big, right? Um, so many wholesalers are trying to go direct to consumer and manufacturers too. So I think that'll be interesting. I know that they tried to, um, they've been trying to get more into like the fulfillment side too, sort of just expand their reach over the whole e-commerce market. Um, and, and gambit of options and tools that that brands need to use just to run their stores. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some crazy things come out of left field and possibly not work, but maybe one or two things do. Yeah, yeah. Best of luck, Shopify. Well, thanks for joining in today. Uh, we'll catch you next week for more top news headlines. Awesome, see you guys. Peace. <laughs>